Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Was Jesus created? This is the question we'll answer on this episode of Word Matters. No. <laughs> That's the answer. Hey, I have a full stock intro I got to do okay, here. I'm sorry. That I need you to let I, me do. I would just want to make sure if people didn't didn't tune out <laughs> right then that they weren't going to get the wrong answer. Yeah, not sure, not sure what they're signing up for already. <laughs> well, I'm Brandon Smith, brand manager for the HCSB, and the loud guy who just jumped in and cut me off is Trevin Wax, managing editor of the Gospel Project. And uh, we are going to talk about Colossians 1.15 today and uh, just some of the uh, various issues that come along with this. This is one of the verses I think that's probably split the church in various ways uh, throughout as much as we, we know, as much as it's recorded. Um, so let me go ahead and read Colossians 1.15 uh, from the HCSB, and then we'll, we'll get going. So he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And uh, we also see this language in Hebrews 1, 6 about, about Jesus being the firstborn. So, uh, I mean, I think if you've been to seminary, you know, this question is easy to answer. I mean, Trevin just, just yelled it um, as though just, nobody's I ever debated sure. it ever. I but, had to be sure. <laughs> but uh, You know, there was a song about this at one time. Do you want to sing it? Or? I don't I don't know the tune. Oh. But you know there was a time there was a time when the sun was not. Mm. That was Arius's song. You always have to be you, uh, you've uh, the heretic in the 1st century or uh-huh. not 1st century but 4th. 4th, sorry. Uh you always have to be careful about these hymn writers and these worship leaders. Right. It always starts in <laughs> Satan being the choir director, it always starts in the worship music. I'm just saying. Are you sure that that song is is uh canonical not apocryphal? You know like the Santa Punching Arius, like it's a song, a real song. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I I don't know, but I've I've seen I've read a lot of church history books, and they all talk about the song, the hymn that Arius wrote that was promoting hmm. Arianism, and it was winning the day for a time. But anyway, I'm getting song. way ahead. Yep. I got to go back to Brandon to let us explain what it is we're talking about in case you're listening and you're like, who, what, <laughs> yeah, when, like, why are we even here? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so no, Jesus wasn't created. Um, he existed before the foundation of the world. I mean, that's, that's kind of the orthodox view, but you know, when I was pastoring in Texas, I remember, um, one of our pastors was teaching on this passage and he said, you know, what does it mean for Jesus to be firstborn? And it was kind of one of those like pastor softballs where you think <laughs> somebody's going to answer it correctly. And a uh, lady in the crowd, Christian for 50 years, deacon's wife, co-leader of our kids ministry for 30 years. She said, well, it means that Jesus was created before any of us were. And and so we want to talk about why that's dead wrong today and just get that out, out front here. Um, you know, I was initially shocked when she said it, but um, it did kind of help me realize that some of the things that we take for granted, that pastors and Christian leaders take for granted, some of these doctrines um, are not really fully communicated to the congregation in a way they can understand. Yeah, and some of the things, uh, some of the doctrines that uh, are foundational to the rest of the Christian faith are ones that, because they're foundational, they're under the surface, and we and we don't give as much attention as as we should. That's one of the reasons that we started this podcast. It's uh, one of the reasons I'm excited to work on a project like uh, the Gospel Project. Yep. We're we're trying to to show uh, how all the Bible points to Jesus, what the Bible teaches about Jesus. Um, it is it's going to be hard for the average person going to church, uh, maybe reading their Bible here and there throughout the week, 
to, uh, to, to grasp just how important some of these doctrines are unless the pastor of the church is going to be intentional in making mention of them, showing why they're important, uh, unless they, they make it accessible, easy to understand. Because, uh, you know, most people don't have the luxury of going to seminary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or getting to work on one of the most popular Bible studies ever created. Are right. you talking about the one that I'm working on? <laughs> That's, That's right. right. Uh, so let's look at some of the ways this has been interpreted. So we've kind of already played our hand here on uh, what where we land, um, just in case we were going to get fired in the first five minutes of this podcast. But um, Trevor, why don't you take the first view and we'll, we'll take a look at it. Okay, so uh, first view in the modern times comes from um, our favorite dinnertime evangelists, <laughs> the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, although they're actually, it's an old, old view that they're carrying uh, forward from Arianism. That was a heresy that was um, uh, declared to be so back in the fourth yeah, century. The, fa- the famous song we just talked about. That's right. Arius is the name of the guy, and Arianism is the name of the position. It, this is the non-Trinitarian view. It basically says Jesus was, uh, just as that member of your church said, Brandon, the first created being. So they take the word firstborn very literally. They mean that Jesus was actually created. So the Jehovah's Witnesses in their own Bible translation, uh, it's called the New World Translation, they insert the word other a few times in this passage. So later on in the passage when, they're ta- when they say you know, things were created by means of him or uh, all other things were created to, to, you know, to make mention that Jesus, basically they say the Son of God is part of creation, he's created, and there's this other creation that Paul is talking about. Um, Mormons also pick up on this too. They, they do it a little bit differently. They, they say Jesus was the first spirit child created by God uh, and one of his spirit wives. Then Jesus became a God through obedience to the truth. But anyway, same idea. Jesus was created. Right. Um, and I, I, the only Christianity I ever interacted with growing up was my aunt did a couple of Jehovah's Witness Bible studies at my house. So this is one thing I remember. Would you call that Christianity? Um, Well, you know, I mean, no, I wouldn't. That was a loaded question. Yeah, but but Christian. (laughs) First time I heard about, yeah, yeah. Jesus. My first interaction with Jesus was the created Jesus. How about that? Um, So I remember that, that conversation really well. It was, it was beaten into us pretty good. So um, the next view is is also a non-Trinitarian view, and it's called Sabellianism. Um, it's kind of classically what's been called. It's the same, same thing as Arianism, type of something that has, has been around for a while. Uh, but it manifests itself today in groups that we would call modalists. Um, you see it in oneness Pentecostalism a lot, um, or always probably. Um, and, and they're different than the Arian-like groups in that um, they actually say that God is one, which Trinitarians say God is, is one, yet three peop- th- three persons. Um, they say, yeah, God is one. He's so much one that there are no persons. So the Father and the Son and the Spirit are different modes of God or different faces of God. So we we perceive them as different entities or persons, uh, but in reality, they're all just God. And it's just different versions of God that you see or different manifestations of God that you see. Um, so for them, the firstborn language here that Jesus uses is kind of tied back to, they'll, they'll tie it back to the way that Jesus says, you know, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so they're showing that, like, literally, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father because they're exactly the same. The same person. Yeah, there's no, there's no difference. So Right. And then there's what we would say is the Orthodox Christian view. That's the Trinitarian view. That's the view that we both are taking, uh, obviously. No need to build any suspense here. Yeah. Uh, we killed that in the very first minute of the podcast. Uh, but this view, it says that Jesus is um, identified with the pre- pre-existent 
son of God. He's existed in eternity past with the Father and the Spirit. One God, three persons, all equal. Uh, most Trinitarians are going to take a general approach here and say um, the firstborn language is about Christ being superior above all of creation, uh, that he was intimately involved in the creation of of all things. Um, and then the following verses answer that question because it talks about things being created by him. So he is separate from creation. He's not part of it. Uh, we've also we, we've also got to remember the, the context of Scripture as a whole that that points to, to Jesus being identified um, as God. You've got the um, I am statements in the Gospels. Right. Uh, you've got the way Luke uses the word Lord in relation to the Lord of the Old Testament. You've got Paul tying his identity, Jesus's identity to God by quoting the Shema, uh, the Lord our God is one in 1 Corinthians 8. Uh, the way the book of Revelation uses these Old Testament texts to tie uh, the identity of the Ancient of Days and Daniel to Jesus sitting on God's throne. Um, so what we would say is the Son of God has always existed. He's uh, uh, we, we might quibble. We wouldn't necessarily say that um, uh, Jesus, the incarnate right. Son of God, has always existed. We would want to say the Son has existed. That's what Paul says to be specific there we would we don't want to downplay the importance of the incarnation when usually when we talk about jesus the human being we're talking about god as after he's taken on flesh but we believe that uh the son of god has always existed and scripture points to that very very clearly yeah the son of god has not always had beautiful flowing locks and a perfectly groomed beard i'm not sure even jesus had that (laughs) but you know so yeah, so we do say a lot on this podcast. All views that we're talking about, they're in within the bounds of Christianity. This is one where uh, we would definitely say not. I mean, it's it's a it's a big denial of a basic foundational truth of Christianity to deny this. Yeah, so. the Trinity is foundational, and and I would I want to mention uh, also though that so, so many times when we're preaching this text, teaching this text, we immediately go to the Trinitarian controversies and we want to explain what firstborn means that it means Jesus being superior, that it doesn't mean that he actually, there was a time he didn't exist. The only other thing I would say is, though, um, in the Jewish mindset, this is, the the idea of the firstborn is so rich with additional meaning. Right. Israel, all throughout the Old Testament, is called the firstborn of God. Mm-hmm. You know, David is called, King David is called the firstborn. So so when Paul says he's the firstborn over all creation, um, he, he's, he's also linking him, he's also linking Christ to Israel. And he's he's explaining how Jesus is the fulfillment mm-hmm. of Israel's story, that he is the the firstborn in uh, uh, in that sense. So, um, not to immediately go to the Trinitarian controversies. Let's also keep in mind the Jewish background that Paul would have had. Mm-hmm. Is there's a lot that's being packed into that word of firstborn uh, that that we can uh, that should resonate with us. Yeah, I think too. You know, I, I, when thinking about teaching this, um, I think a lot of people, a lot of pastors tend to think, you know, I can't get too deep into the theological weeds with our people. They can't understand this, or there's just too much. I mean, you know, we just did it in 10 minutes, but there really, there's so much that goes into it. I mean, we really hit the surface, the, the high-level surface. Well, the Jehovah's Witnesses will dive into the weeds with your people. So <laughs> they will, you need to, right. I mean, I, I get people say, you know, yeah. yeah, our people aren't really theological. Well, mm-hmm. well, the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses that come to the door, they'll jump into the weeds really quickly. Yeah, and, and they will back people into a corner who don't, right. don't know how to, how to defend it. And so... Yeah, I think, you know, I, I get it to an extent, right? I mean, you're, you're preaching a, a 30, 45-minute, hour-and-a-half sermon, in some people's cases, um, on a Sunday morning. Is that and, your church? Yeah. No, no, not mine. No, my pastor's <laughs> great, actually, if he's listening. Um, 
But I think that there is, so I get that. I, I get the tendency to say, man, I've only got a certain amount of time. I really want to impact their lives and, and get, get the applicable stuff to them. Uh, but we, we tend to forget that, that theology is very applicable. I mean, theology is very much grounded in real life. I mean, I don't think that the writers of Scripture would separate those two things, where sometimes I think we tend to do that. Um, I mean, if you think about the Trinity, just, just in, in terms of the gospel, I mean, the Trinity has a gospel shape. You've got the Father who sends the Son, the Son who dies on the cross for our salvation, rises again to give us new life. And then we have the Holy Spirit who, who is sent to us to seal our salvation and empower us to live it out. So the gospel is very much Trinitarian. I mean, it's, it's a very foundational, even to the gospel that we preach every week. Uh, but I think we'd be surprised how many people um, would, would probably respond to this passage the way that church member did in my church. So. Yeah, if you think that the the Trinity is not practical, that's like saying the foundation of your house <laughs> is not necessary. Right. Yeah, you know, good luck living there, right? I mean, how how are you going to have the practice of Christianity if you deny one of the foundational tenets of the Christian faith that that really holds the entire structure of salvation together? So, um, at, at some level. Uh, it, it's not just about what's practical for your daily life tomorrow. It's also what is practical when it comes to you know, the entire structure of Christian theology yeah. and the importance of it. Yeah, I think growing up in a church uh, that I grew up in, well, I got saved as, as a teenager, but um, just some of the churches I grew up in, you know, the Holy Spirit was, was very much left out of the conversation. I think I probably had a pretty good grasp of who the Father was and what he did and who Jesus was and what he did. Uh, the Holy Spirit wasn't always as emphasized. Um, and when I learned, um, really in, in Bible college, when I learned about the Trinity and what the Trinity means, individual person means in the, in the life of a Christian, like we just talked about with the gospel, you know, knowing that the Holy Spirit lives in you and that you literally, I mean, the scripture says, you know, that you can, First Corinthians 10 says that, that you can get through any temptation because God is there with you. That's the Holy Spirit. I mean, anything that's going on in your life, you can trust that God has sealed you with a spirit and given you a means to actually fight temptation and live a godly life which I think we, we tend to forget about. So um, any other words you'd have for pastors or teachers going through this? I mean, you know, if you're looking at Colossians 1, talking about firstborn, I mean, there's, you might just have to talk about firstborn in a, in a sermon to, to, to really get this across. I don't know. I mean. There, yeah, there's so much in that in that passage. I mean, the Colossians 1 is one of my favorite sections of all of Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you definitely want to, if, if you're preaching or teaching this text, the main thing that should come across is the supremacy of Jesus Christ yeah. in all things. I mean, that is, that's what Paul's going for. Uh, when you're teaching that, explain how our view of Jesus is more exalted than the views of the people that would deny right. uh, um, the eternality of, of Jesus Christ, the son. But then just make sure that in the sermon like this, that you're exalting Jesus above all else, mm -hmm. because that's that's the whole purpose of this section of Colossians. Yeah, and that's how you, I mean, that's maybe that's how you can tie it into at least a, a small part. I, I think for me, it, it's yes, the supremacy of Christ, obviously, that's Paul's point. But sometimes we will tend to gloss over Trinitarian things when they're really obvious there for that's us right. because right. we're trying to do that. So, um, well, Trevin, thanks as always for jumping on. And uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.